You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, episode number eight. Hi, guys. This is a birth story episode. Miss Emmy, she is actually a twin birth story. So if you are currently expecting twins or you're just interested in hearing a twin birth story, definitely stay tuned. So just a short little synopsis of this one. Emmy found out she was pregnant with twins and she was in total shock. This was her first pregnancy with her first babies. She was super, super excited and had a pretty smooth pregnancy, but had a little bit of bleeding in the beginning from something called a subchorionic hematoma. And I actually had that during my pregnancy as well. And you guys have probably heard me talk about those. Baby A was head down and she was having a lot of pelvic pain from baby A just kind of sitting low on her pelvis. And then baby B was actually breech. And she'll talk about her vaginal delivery of baby A being head down and then baby B being breech. So basically what happened was she was 36 weeks and five days, so almost 37 weeks and her water broke. She was home. She wasn't having contractions. She headed up to the hospital. They induced her labor a bit and got her on Pitocin. She did end up getting an epidural because of her twin delivery, especially because baby B was still breech. And if they needed to have a breech extraction, they wanted that epidural in place and just for the risk of possibly having an emergency C-section. So she made the decision to do, you know, the epidural. So yeah, that's just a short little synopsis. We'll get into her whole birth story. She didn't push very long with baby A and was able to, you know, vaginally deliver baby A and vaginally deliver baby B. So she has a great story. Really excited to get started. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where we firmly believe in the power of education when it comes to giving birth. Tune in each week as we dive into pregnancy-related topics, expert interviews, and a variety of birth stories. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Please see mommylabornurse.com slash disclaimer for more details. And now here's your host, educator, registered nurse, and fellow mom, Liesl Teen. Hi, Emmy. Welcome to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. Hi, I'm so happy to be here and just get the opportunity to talk to you and share our birth story. Yeah, thank you so much. Can you start by telling listeners a little bit about yourself and your family? Yeah, of course. So I am Emmy, as you said, and I have been married to my husband, Garrett, for about four years now, but we've been together almost 10 years. And we have twin girls, Eliana and Josephine, but we call them Ellie and Josie, and they just turned 14 months old. Oh, so sweet. I remember that age when my son was 14. I was just talking to somebody today about that age and how our house is not set up where there's an area where you can corral children. But when they're that age, you have to like corral them because they will get into anything. I was just talking to somebody about that today. Exactly. Sorry. And our girls, (laughs) no, they've started climbing on things. Yes. So we have to be extra cautious, but thankfully I am able to stay at home with them while my husband works. Nice. And we actually live in Raleigh, Cool. North Carolina. So awesome. Yeah. Local. I love it. I love it. Cool. Awesome. Well, let's get right into your birth story and your pregnancy. Can you start by telling everybody kind of how, you know, let's go back to kind of when you found out you were pregnant and your pregnancy and all that stuff. And then we'll dive into your birth story. 
Yeah, so in October of 2017, I had a conversation with my husband and I said, I think I'm ready to try to start having a, like growing our family. Yeah. And at that point we had been married for about two years and together for eight. And so we decided we would go ahead and start trying, not knowing how long it would take. So then in December, We of that same year, we found out we were pregnant, so wow. it did not take long at all. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, and I was tracking um, with an app, and so the first day that I missed my period, I was like, I think we should just get a test, fully expecting it to be negative. And after I took it, there was that faint, very, very faint line. And I Mm -hmm. did not believe it. I was like, there's no way, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to take another one. And then 10 tests later over the course (laughs) of the weekend, I promise you, because eventually I got the expensive one, the one that actually says you're pregnant. Yeah. And yeah. And so then we made an appointment and they also confirmed at our OB that we were pregnant And so it was so early on Mm -hmm. that we couldn't do an ultrasound yet. So we had to come back two weeks later. Mm -hmm. And that's when we found out that we were actually expecting twins. Wow. That is so cool. I've always wondered what that is like in that room when somebody tells you, I mean, do you have twins on any of your, is it in your family at all? Yeah. It's so funny because so many people ask me that and honestly... (laughs) I'm not sure how to answer because I was actually adopted. Okay. So I don't know much about my biological family history, gotcha. mm-hmm. but what I do know, I've never heard of any twins, but somewhere back in there, there it's likely that maybe twins. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Cool. So it was actually when we went into the room, you know, that the first ultrasound that they do is a pelvic And so it's not on the belly. And Mm -hmm. so it was a little bit uncomfortable because my mom and my sister and my husband were all standing there while I was getting this done. And so I was so focused on that. Yeah. I didn't even have time to look at the screen before the doctor said, there's two babies in there. Uh. And I said, what? And I did not (laughs) believe her. I honestly thought she was telling a joke. Well, yeah, I, <laughs> I can understand that. Yeah. <laughs> Such a shock. So they sent us down to the big ultrasound room, did, I mean, all the ultrasounds are real, but <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Sorry. Yeah. There's a separate, that. there's usually yeah. a separate room, right? Yeah. Yeah. So went to that room and then they confirmed that there were two sacks, two babies and, um, two placentas. So I was pregnant with die, die twins, which mm-hmm. are the lowest risk twins. So I was right. really thankful for that. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. That's good to know. Yeah. No, die, die just means that there's two placentas and mm-hmm. two sacs and you're right. It's the one that has the lowest risk of complications. So yeah. cool. Well, awesome. Okay. Well, let's talk about your first trimester, second trimester. I always hear, you know, this is what everybody says that symptoms are a lot worse, you know, morning sickness is a lot worse with twins. Did you experience a lot of morning sickness and symptoms? Well, since it was my first, I didn't really have anything to compare it to. Yeah. Yeah. But I did have a good amount of morning sickness. Well, 
I don't know why they call it morning sickness. It's like all day. It's sickness. all day. It's all day. It's all night. It's anytime sickness. Right. I know. We really should say a different word. Exactly. Well, it <laughs> mainly affected me when I was driving in the car. So mm. it was not helpful that I had a 30 oh, minute drive in traffic from Garner to Cary. Yeah. I had to pull over a number of times oh, throughout my, my pregnancy. Yes. So I wonder, yeah, it must've been like almost like a motion sickness Mm -hmm. thing too. Like that kind of set it off. Oh gosh. I think so. I have another question for you. Did Uh you find out your girls were girls later? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, How did that go? It went really well. So at 22 weeks is when we went to maternal fetal medicine Mm -hmm. for that anatomy appointment Mm -hmm. and we didn't want to find out at the appointment we wanted to do a gender reveal of course and so it was actually the week before Easter so we had all our family get together on Easter weekend I had given a friend of ours from church she makes really beautiful cakes Mm -hmm. and so she made us a cake that had candy inside Mm, yeah before it would either be pink or blue or both Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And it turned out it was all pink. And my husband kept digging in the cake, looking <laughs> for that blue candy. Oh, it was gosh. not there. <laughs> that is too funny. Yeah. So that was exciting. And I was, you know, a little nervous. I know how hard the world can be for girls and yeah. boys too, but especially for girls, just because I've been a woman, you know, of course. A, a preteen, a teenager. Yes. Of course. And I know it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. But it'll all work out. (laughs) Of course. Of course. Okay, cool. Well, let's go a little further into Mm -hmm. your pregnancy and kind of leading up to the days, you know, before delivery. How did the rest of your pregnancy go? Yeah, we had a very smooth pregnancy at 15 weeks. And I was actually listening to your birth story Mm -hmm. the other day. And I related to it because at about 15 weeks, I did have some bleeding. And before I had the babies, I was a nanny. So Mm -hmm. we were at Chick-fil-A with some of her family, just doing a little play date. And I went to the bathroom and there was blood and Mm. it was so scary to me. It was like my worst fear because I had so many friends and family that had had miscarriages that Mm -hmm. I just always feared that something would go wrong. And so I, thankfully the little one that I nanny, her grandma was there and she actually took me to the doctor Mm -hmm. and my husband met us there. And then the mother that I nanny for, she came and got her child. So it was all well, but we met and then they did an ultrasound and everything looked good with the babies. And they did see that just small pocket of blood mm-hmm. with the subchorionic hematoma. Yeah. They're so common. Scary. Yeah. Yeah. And so like you, I was put on pelvic rest for, it was about two weeks mm-hmm. that I was bleeding And so I didn't do any, I was like, I can't do anything. I basically Mm. put myself on pretty much bed rest. I was like, I'm not doing anything. Yeah. Be extra, extra careful. Yeah. Totally understand. Yeah. And so that was pretty, pretty much the extent of anything that eventful that happened. And at about 22 weeks is when we did the maternal fetal medicine appointment. And Mm -hmm. we found out that my baby A was head down and she was resting right in my pelvic area. Mm -hmm. And 
my baby B was actually breech. And so we knew that from that appointment and Ah. chances are that she wouldn't turn. And so Mm -hmm. we kind of expected to possibly have a breech birth with her. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. And so, but they basically both stayed that way. You're saying until pretty much. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And that's another thing that since my baby A was resting so far down there, Mm -hmm. it caused a lot of pain. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. It was really uncomfortable. But as soon as I gave birth, that pain kind of went away. So I was thankful for that. Yeah. That's great. Cool. Well, let's get into your birth story and how that went and kind of, you know, when you started labor and how many weeks you were and all that good stuff. (laughs) Yeah. So I was 35 weeks and five days. Can I re-record that? I was 36 weeks and five days. 36 and five. Yes. 36 and five. And so my husband was working from home that day The day before that, though, I had gone to the doctor and they had done the group beta strep test, Mm -hmm. the GBS swab. And then she also did a cervical check, which now looking back, I kind of wish she hadn't done that. Mm. But, you know, it worked out. So I had that test done. So the next day, sitting at home in the afternoon, I got up to go to the bathroom. And before I could make it, I just felt this kind of gush and then there was fluid everywhere. Oh, and I said to myself, you know, either I didn't make it to the bathroom and I peed on myself or my water just broke. Mm -hmm. And both are highly likely with (laughs) a pregnant woman. So I just kind of stood there and it just, the fluid just kept coming. And Mm -hmm. so I was like, I'm pretty sure this is my water breaking. Like, I can't stop it. There's no clenching that I can do. (laughs) And so I called out to my husband and I'm just standing in the hallway and I said, I think my water broke. And he was just, he told me, we were talking about it today and he told me that he was on a call Uh with work and he said, oh, my wife's water just broke. I gotta go. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I bet the other person was like, uh, okay. (laughs) Wow. To rewind a little bit, at 16 weeks, I actually hired a birthing doula. Mm -hmm. It was like super early. She was like, you found me so early. So we have a long time to get to know each other. But she was perfect. And so when my water broke, I called her. She's the first person I called. And I said, I'm pretty sure my water broke. And I explained to her what happened. And she said, yep, sounds like it. And she was so excited. And I was freaking out. I was like, this is happening. There's no, you know, this is it. So no going back now. (laughs) No. So I knew that I wanted to labor at home as long as I could, but I wasn't having any contractions at that point. So She said, okay, we'll just take a shower, take a nap, and I could feel the babies moving, and I could actually find their heartbeats with a fetal Doppler that I had, so I felt confident that they were okay, Mm -hmm. and so I just rested a little, kind of anticipating the contractions Mm -hmm. were going to come soon. Well, they didn't, Mm -hmm. so I called my OB, and they said, well, we would like you to come in. And I said, well, I really don't want to. I kind of want to wait. Yeah. And so they said, well, okay, well, that's fine. But you're going to have to go directly to the hospital. And I said, Mm -hmm. that's fine. And so 
I think it was about six hours after my water broke, we ended up going to the hospital. And again, still not having any contractions. And at that point, I was wearing a diaper because I was still leaking. Yeah. I want everybody listening to this podcast to know your water does not just break and, nope. oh, that's so sweet. There it is. No, nope. it's like everywhere. Just keeps coming. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> so our doula met us there. We got sent to triage and they did two tests, just a swab for amniotic fluid and one other test. And they said, well, these don't show any amniotic fluid. And I was like, okay. Hmm. So they were trying to send us home. And I was like, I know my water broke. Please believe me. Yeah. And yeah. so. Way too convincing. Like, it yeah. Just, <laughs> and she like said, how do you pee that much? <laughs> exactly. And she said, okay, well, we'll do one more test, but we have to send it to the lab. Mm -hmm. So that was another hour long wait. At this point, by the time we got admitted, we had been there for four hours and oh it was gosh. not super comfortable. And I was like, oh man, I hope we don't have to go home because you get all like excited and prepared. Yeah. Like this is it. And to have to go home would just have been kind of strange. Defeating. Yeah. Yeah. Defeating. yeah. So the test came back. Sure enough, my water did indeed break. <laughs> and what you so, already knew. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so they admitted us. They didn't have any labor rooms. Apparently, I think there was either a big storm or like a full moon or something. Oh, so gosh. apparently a lot of people go into labor around those times. <laughs> yeah. So it was we, full. <laughs> yeah. So we got admitted into an antepartum room mm -hmm. until the next morning, which was actually nice because it was a lot bigger mm -hmm. because they're made for long stays. Mm -hmm. And so my husband, he, I think he got a, a good amount of sleep. I did not yeah. because my GBS test didn't come back. They had to give me the antibiotics. Gotcha. You know, to be safe rather than sorry. Mm -hmm. So I was getting penicillin. I also got a shot in my butt because mm -hmm. I was technically early. Technically preterm. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. so they wanted to try to avoid NICU time. Gotcha. Oh, and I forgot one thing. When I was in the triage, I wasn't, still no contractions. So they put in a Foley bulb. Okay. So, yeah. And that was not super comfortable at all. Yeah. <laughs> so Yeah. And not fun to sleep with either. No. Right. So <laughs> I didn't get a lot of sleep, but I, I think my husband got a good amount of rest, which was good. At least you um, did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, so the next day I still wasn't having any contractions. <laughs> So the next day, we got moved to a labor room. I knew I was going to get the Pitocin. That morning, I had to pull the Foley bulb out on my own, which, oh. yeah, do they usually pull that out for you? Because they didn't um, for me. Yeah, no, I mean, we usually do. But oh well, they yeah. didn't. And you're yeah. talking to somebody who I like had negative experiences with tampons when I was younger. Oh, so gosh. I don't even wear those. Oh, so gosh. the Foley bulb is like a tampon for a giant. Yeah. And so you're yeah. like, I was in the shower trying to oh. pull it out and it kept, you know, going back up, you know, yeah. so it's stretchy. So it kept going back up. And my husband was finally like, okay, I'm going to count one, two, three. And for those three seconds, just keep pulling. You can't oh. like 
pull little and let it go back up. And so I did. And I was like crying. I was like, how am I supposed to give birth to babies if I can't even do this? So that was interesting. (laughs) And then at about 11 o'clock, I received the Pitocin because I still wasn't having contractions because of the Foley bulb. I knew I was dilated a little bit. But I tried to limit the cervical checks as much as I could, but got the Pitocin around 11 and then the contractions really started. Because I was getting the Pitocin, I had to be monitored. I had three monitors on me, one for each baby and one for myself, because obviously they're not going to continue to give Pitocin if it's causing any stress. Right. And a lot of people don't realize that if you're on Pitocin, you do have to have continuous monitoring. Yes. Um, That is something, unfortunately, that is very important because Pitocin can stress out your baby and we need Mm -hmm. to, you know, kind of see what's going on in order to turn it up or turn it down. So that's a good point. And and it's also a good point that, hey, you have two babies, so you have to have three of those things on Mm -hmm. you. (laughs) Yeah. And so I do want to say really quickly right here that our nurse, we actually caught her at the beginning of her shift. So she was with us the whole time and she was phenomenal. And I know how much of a difference a good nurse and a good medical staff makes in a labor delivery. So I am incredibly thankful for that. And so got the Pitocin. At this point, our doula, Angela, had already arrived back at the hospital Mm -hmm. because, of course, she didn't stay overnight with us, but she came back right before I got the Pitocin. Unfortunately, I had all these plans of like, oh, I'm going to labor in the shower. I'm going to labor on a birthing ball. I'm going to, you know, get in all these positions that make Mm -hmm. me feel more comfortable. Well, I didn't have that option because I was being monitored and it wasn't wireless. It wasn't waterproof. Mm -hmm. So my best option was just standing, squatting and swaying Mm -hmm. and just breathing. And our doula was wonderful and she helped so much, which is her job, but I'm so thankful for that. But you can absolutely have a not so good doula too, just right. so, just like you can have a not so good medical team. So Very that's true. great that that's great that you have a you know somebody that you trusted and a good one. Absolutely. And so before the actual labor and delivery, we had decided together that I would get an epidural, even though my hope was not to receive an epidural and to really try for a non-epidural birth. Mm -hmm. But because my baby B, Josephine, was breech, there was a high chance of an emergency Mm C-section. You know, we couldn't rule that out. And if there was an emergency C-section and I hadn't received the epidural, then I would have had to be put under that's not what I wanted. So I kind of sucked up my pride and I said, okay, I'm going to get the epidural because I think it's going to be the best choice for this situation. Mm -hmm. And so I did decide to put the epidural off as long as I possibly could. And my doula recommended six centimeters. She -hmm. said, that's usually a good time to receive it. You've kind of waited a while and labored a while. Yeah. And so what I did not know is that once you've received 
first you have to receive a bag of fluid. Mm -hmm. Then once you receive the epidural, it takes a while to kick in. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, I'm about to get the epidural because let me tell you, contractions are not, well, you know, (laughs) and probably most of your listeners know, but if you don't know listening, contractions yeah. Are no rough. joke. They're no joke. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And there's yeah. no way to describe it. You just have to feel it. Okay. Think about your period and then like multiply that by a hundred or something. Right. But, you, but you're right. I remember I had bad period cramps, you know, mm-hmm. before I had kids and that's kind of what early labor was like, but then it goes into your back or your pelvis. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, Yeah. <laughs> Like I said, my most comfortable position was actually standing up. But once I received the epidural, you have to lay down, work its way up your body. And that was the most uncomfortable position. So, you know, it is what it is. Once the epidural kicked in, it was like... Wow, this is God's gift to women. Because <laughs> oh, well, good. It was I'm glad. like night and day. I mean, I still felt pressure. Mm-hmm. I still could feel things, mm-hmm. but it was not painful at all. They would say, Oh, it looks like you just had a contraction. And I'd say, Oh, okay, cool. You know, <laughs> well, good. No that's idea. a good working, that's a good working epidural. Awesome. Yeah. And the anesthesiologist was amazing as well. He was very quick and thorough. And it was really easy. It's funny because my husband still is bothered by this. They said, you can have one person in here when you get the epidural. And I chose my doula because she's been there for hundreds of epidurals. My husband has been there for zero epidurals. So So he got his feelings hurt. (laughs) A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. That's funny. He knows it was for the best. Yeah. That is a good point though that you brought up because that is something that we also teach is that when you put these epidurals in, you usually can't, that's just hospital policy, anesthesia policy, usually that you can only have one person in there because it's a serial procedure. And sometimes you're not even allowed to be kind of behind anesthesia too, because they're working. So, but that's a good point that you brought up that there can only be one person in there. Most places are like that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I got the epidural. Once it kicked in, it was great, pretty low key from there. I kind of rested for a little while And I got the epidural about 2.30, and then by 3.30, the nurse said, okay, well, we can see your baby A's head. And so they were like, okay, let's get the OR prepped, because if you're having multiples, you have to in the OR, regardless if you're trying to have a vaginal or C-section. Right. So at that exact time, our doctor got called into an emergency C-section. Oh no. So they were like, okay, well, don't push. We're just going <laughs> to hang out. And I was like, okay. The nurse, you know, she could see my baby A, Ellie, her head. And so she said, if you didn't have two babies and if one wasn't breached, we would have already had these babies because you are ready to go. Mm-hmm. And But just as I was ready to go, our doctor got called to an emergency C-section. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And so (laughs) they said, don't push. We'll get the OR ready, but we can't go anywhere yet. We have to wait for your doctor to get done with that. So it was about 45 minutes later, something like that. And he came back 
or maybe about an hour. I'm not sure how long C-sections usually take, but uh-huh. it was about an hour, I think. Oh gosh, that's a pretty long time to wait though. <laughs> I know. He came back and he was like, oh yeah, she's ready to go. Let's get to the OR. And it was funny because, you know, when you are a patient, you go through all the doctors at the OB and you're not sure who you're going to get for your actual delivery. Uh-huh. This doctor was not like top on my list just because I had only met him once. So I wasn't sure. And I think someone told me one negative experience they had with him or they didn't really like him, but he turned out to be the perfect doctor for us because he was so calm, cool, and collected throughout the whole process. Oh, well, good. Know, yeah, it wasn't his fault. He got called to an emergency C-section. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So we got to the OR and it, it was really interesting. I had read a lot of stories about twin births and about how it feels to be wheeled out of a room into another room where 15 ish people are waiting for you in an Mm -hmm. operating room. Like how do you stay in the labor mindset during Mm -hmm. all of that? And I had kind of prepared, you know, just to close my eyes and just breathe and not think about everything else going on. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did. And it was still kind of strange to be in the middle of this and be wheeled into another room. Yeah. But we got in there and before that, we, whenever we were waiting for the doctor, we did do a few practice pushes as far as learning how to breathe because what I didn't know, because they don't really make it look like this on the movies, but you take a deep breath in, like you're going to go underwater. Mm -hmm. It's like when you're underwater and you kind of push out without actually breathing in a way. Mm -hmm. I think that makes sense, but Mm -hmm. no, that's exactly right. It could be like that. And so it takes a little bit of practice. And so we practiced a little bit. So I would be prepared when we got to the actual operating room. And so when we got in there, I had three contractions. And with every contraction, I had three big pushes pretty much. And after those three contractions, total of nine pushes, out Mm -hmm. comes my baby A. Oh, wow. Uh, (laughs) That's quick. (laughs) Yeah. And it was 444. And yeah. And she, you know, in the movies, it's so funny. I am comparing it to the movies because that's the only birth that I've ever seen. Uh Uh, Well, besides, I guess, birthing videos. But I guess in the movies, they make the baby sound like two-week-old crying babies. But when she came out, it kind of sounded like a feral cat in a way. (laughs) Wow, that's that's pretty accurate. That's an interesting sound. But, you know, (laughs) she's alive and she's crying and wonderful and beautiful. And they handed her to me and, you know, and I was just crying But then I couldn't keep her there with me because they were still monitoring my baby B because she was still breached. Their plan was to kind of go in and see if she would wiggle around with some help and still Mm -hmm. come out head first. Mm -hmm. But she had other plans entirely and she just stuck her foot right out before anyone was ready. She just kicked her foot out. Mm -hmm. And the doctor, this is why I said the doctor was great. My husband described it like this. He said the doctor was just like, oh, 
there's a foot. And then he just went with it. And then there was another doctor in there that had smaller hands. And so she could get up there easier and kind Uh of find, navigate up and find her other leg. Uh And so they ended up having to go in and get her other leg and pull her out. My husband was like, I was kind of freaked out because it looked like they were going to hurt her. She was so tiny and fragile, but they just kept pulling her, you know, not just because he had never seen anything like that. And I know that they were doing what they needed to do in that moment. And I'm sure they were more gentle than he thought. He just anyway, yeah, had never yeah. experienced that right. before. So basically they got her whole body out or mm-hmm. she kind of wiggled out. Mm-hmm. And then of course the fear with breech babies is head entrapment. Mm -hmm. So they looked at me and they said, okay, now this is it. You have to get everything you have to get this baby out. Mm -hmm. And so with like one big giant long push, I just pushed the rest of her out and there she was. Oh, well, great. And so, yeah, it was really good. And another reason why we did choose now going back, we did choose the epidural was because we knew that there was a good possibility they would have to do a breech extraction. Mm. And that was kind of what that was. But I could feel that things were happening. I could Mm -hmm. feel stuff going on, but it wasn't painful. So in that moment, I was very thankful for the epidural. For the epidural. Yeah. And that's a good point that you brought up too, because that is a reason why a lot of providers will recommend getting an epidural if you are having a twin birth. If, you know, if in fact that second baby is breech or another way, because a lot of times they do have to just kind of go inside Mm -hmm. and kind of pull the, you know, not hard, but kind of get the baby in the right position. So it safely comes out and that can be quite painful if you don't have an epidural. Mm -hmm. So that's why they say, Hey, yes, you know, we recommend this, but good point. Yeah. Well, awesome. Congratulations yeah. on that <laughs> story. You. That is yes. wonderful. Sounds like an amazing, amazing story of your, yes. of your twins. Do you want to share a little bit about your postpartum experience with them and your breastfeeding experience? I know you shared with me that you're actually still breastfeeding them, which mm-hmm. is awesome. So you can share a little bit about your postpartum time with them and then how breastfeeding went. Absolutely. So yeah, as soon as the girls were, you know, they checked and made sure they were okay. They handed them to me. We did immediate skin to skin. That was one of the things that I specified in my birth plan. And it was funny going over my medical records There are notes in there that say the mother is very adamant that she would like to only breastfeed and she wants skin to skin, you know, they, yeah, it was just funny the way that they (laughs) worded it. I was like, yep, that's me. Very adamant. (laughs) We got wheeled back into the labor room and you stay there for about two hours just Mm -hmm. to have that kind of one-on-one time with your babies and Mm -hmm. I'm thankful because the room that we went into later was a lot smaller. Mm -hmm. So, but anyway, so they were wonderful. They both latched on right away and I did not tandem feed in the hospital. And I want to specify that because I think Mm -hmm. a lot of new moms of twins, they see more experienced moms. Mm -hmm. And I mean more experienced, like four months out of the gate. Right. And these moms are just tandem nursing. They might make it look pretty simple, but that's not how it is in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And so I don't want 
new twin moms to feel this pressure that they have to nurse both of their babies at the same time. I think it's really important to do one at a time because then you're learning a new thing that you've never done before. Your baby's never had to nurse before. So you're all learning. Being able to do that one at a time was really special and really helpful. So very good point. You know, I never thought to think about it like that. That actually makes a lot of sense you saying it that way. Yeah. And so we did that right away, skin to skin, just latching and practicing that. And I was still kind of a little bit out of it, you know, just had two babies and not a lot of sleep either. But our doula was wonderful. And I, I highly recommend if you can getting that birthing doula, because I think her knowledge throughout the whole process was just priceless, you know, Mm -hmm. and her support and confidence in me, her confidence in me gave me confidence in myself. And that was so important. Yeah. Yeah, And so we just continued to latch just constantly with breastfeeding. Even if they had eaten five minutes ago, I put them on over and over. And then the lactation consultant came in and she taught us how to hand express, which I think is so important Mm -hmm. because it can kind of show you that you are producing some. And then we put it into a syringe for the girls Mm -hmm. so that after I nursed them, we would just give them a little bit in the syringe. I know some people like to call it dessert. (laughs) So they got that extra colostrum and that's not going to hurt them. It's only good for them. And it's funny. I do want to say this. I was not good at hand expression because Mm -hmm. I was so tired, but my husband actually hand expressed for me. Oh, that is so nice. Yeah. And I think (laughs) honestly, because those first hours, those first days, those first weeks are so crucial to establishing your milk supply Mm -hmm. that I think it's so important that we learn these tools from the very beginning Mm -hmm. and learn that these newborn babies, they're not on a time schedule. They're coming out of the womb where they've been in the most perfect place, fed and warm constantly. Right. So whether they ate 30 minutes ago or two hours ago, if they're hungry, they're hungry, you know? That's right. So Yeah. So it means that you don't get that much sleep, but honestly, a lot of it is really blurry now. So I do want to encourage new moms in that is that that those seasons of exhaustion and like this whole learning process, it's so temporary. Mm -hmm. So if you can hope, (laughs) yeah, absolutely. It becomes this like beautiful blur. Like, you know, that it was hard, right. But that's not what you remember the most. Oh, I love that. A beautiful blur. That should be a (laughs) hashtag or something. (laughs) No, I love that. That's wonderful. But you're so, you're so right because I think you're right. It is like, it's so, so hard in the beginning. I feel like you just get more efficient Mm -hmm. at things too. And like, of course things change, like your baby's doing different stuff and you Mm got to learn, you know, how to do this now with your baby and you know, whatever it may be, but you get more efficient. And I feel like you just get better at everything over yeah. time. <laughs> As your so there is growing, hope. you're growing. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, cool. Well, thank you so much, Emmy. This was such a wonderful yeah. story of your twins and your birth story and your postpartum experience and your breastfeeding experience. Now, do you want to remind listeners where they can find you? Yeah, sure. I'm on Instagram at Live and Good Mama. Cool. It's L-I-V-E-N 
G-O-O-D. And it looks like living good. Most people think it's pronounced living good. <laughs> Great. But yeah. Um, and we just, I just share pictures of the babies pretty cool. much. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be happy to put that on the show notes page. Yeah. In case people, some twin mamas want to follow. Yeah, absolutely. That would cool. be great. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Are you looking for birth education? Did you know that I have two fabulous birth courses that are super affordable? Well, I do. Head over to mommylabornurse.com slash podcast to take a short quiz to see which birth class is for you. When you purchase either birth course, you'll have full access to it forever. And that means it will never expire and you can access it throughout any stage of your pregnancy or for any subsequent pregnancies that you have. You'll also gain free access to my Facebook group, linked to the class where you can ask questions about your pregnancy, share your birth story after you give birth, read other people's birth stories, and get to know other members who are in the course. There is also a money-back guarantee, so if you are at all unsatisfied with your purchase, please, please send me an email at hello at mommylaborers.com for a full refund. There's really no risk to signing up, and I promise you will learn a ton about what's to come when you give birth. As a listener of this podcast, you automatically get 20% off any purchase if you use the code PODCASTLISTENER. I've had tons of moms just like you enter these birth courses and have fabulous, wonderful, empowering births because they feel so much more educated about what's to happen. So if you are at all curious about birth education, again, I encourage you to go to mommylabornurse.com slash podcast and use the code podcast listener to save 20%. All right. So that is it for this episode of the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. You probably follow me on Instagram because that's probably where you came from. But if you don't, head over to Instagram and follow me at mommy.labornurse for more. That is certainly where I am most active. I also now have a separate Instagram for just this podcast. So I encourage you to follow my second account at mommylabornurse.podcast as well if you want podcast updates. Again, that is at mommylabornurse.podcast. As always, you guys know that I also have a website where I have tons of articles all about pregnancy, birth, breastfeeding, newborn stuff, and more at www.mommylabornurse.com. I want to hear more from you on how much you love this episode of the podcast or how you think I can improve. So leave me a comment on one of my pictures, send me a DM, or send me an email with all the love. All right, guys, I will see you same time, same place next week.